Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. We interview people from many parts of the world. In fact, today our guest is from originally the nation of Iran, uh, later on Sweden and South Africa. You've been everywhere. And then now USA. Kevin Kazimi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Larry. We had you here before. I mean, you just told us your story. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, you know, how that the Lord miraculously brought you and your family, your mother and your brothers, you know, out of Iran and into Sweden. And then the miraculous story of how you came to Christ. But we want to talk just about leadership today. We're going to talk about leadership principles. Uh, today, obviously, you're the pastor, senior pastor of Identity Church, Canton, Ohio. Uh, you've been an itinerant ministry, 40-some nations, you know, for many years, served in the YWAM for many years. We want to talk about leadership, and I know your heart so much to the presence of God, And uh, but we want to talk about what leadership principles you have learned over the years. Let's go back to the early days. You, you came to Christ. And uh, in Armenia, right? Yep. That is crazy, crazy. I encourage anybody, if you haven't heard the first podcast, go back and listen to that. Kevin's story was simply amazing, just the grace of God in your life. Uh, so you came to Christ there, went to a Bible school in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to those days, what are some things you've learned about leadership back then? I think from uh, my early days, when I got born again, I was just trying to discover you know, this uh, amazing man by the name of Jesus. Yes. So uh, I was not even thinking about uh, much about leadership in the beginning days. It was more like, I want to grow and I want to get discipled and I want to just understand, you know, this new walk of faith. So the first year I studied in a Bible school called Vision International. Mm-hmm. It was very much uh, just uh, trying to uh, get as much of the Word of God I could get in me. So I just had a tremendous grace season where I could be away from the environment I came from and I could be discipled. But after about a year, uh, I ended up leaving the U.S., going back home to Stockholm, Sweden. And that was kind of the beginning point on my uh, stumbling into leadership. Yeah. Because my brothers, when I saved during that time, uh, I came home. My mom was still on missions. And God told me to just start a Bible study. And I said to God, I said, God, there is no Christians that I know of. Like, who am I going to have a Bible study with? Uh, God said, if you open up the Bible study, I'm going to bring the people. And so I ended up, you know, starting with a Bible study. The first one was my cousin and who uh, didn't believe in God. And also my uh, two brothers who were not saved either. And so we had this, you know, time of... uh, me trying to lead this Bible study. It was very disappointing. I didn't feel anyone was listening to me. It became almost this crazy argument, you know, about God is real, God is not real, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of entered into it with a lot of disappointments, but uh, just being consistent yeah. as a leader and uh, knowing what God has said to me and be guarded and guided by the word of the Lord yeah. and not by emotions uh, put me on a track that uh, ended up leading to see the fruit of what God spoke to me personally, that I'm going to bring the people. Uh, a lot of people get 
saved and my own brothers get saved and baptized right, my own right. brother who's a pastor or not together with me right. in Ohio. Uh, but that was kind of the starting point of uh, me uh, trying some leadership in a very right. small setting. Because it right. doesn't really happen always in a big state somewhere. Seldom, very you seldom. Is the mustard seed principle? The kingdom of exactly. God is as a mustard seed, yeah. and it was almost like God had called me to be a leader, and I had to take the seed and plant it. Yes. Because uh, it was different, you know. I was the captain of my team mm-hmm. uh, when I played soccer, so I had some kind of leadership always in me. You know, right, I, I was right. able to influence people. You know, many times I did it for the bad. <laughs> right. But, you know, <laughs> I was the captain of my team. But so I knew there was always something in me. But, you know, you can be born with a leadership skill inside of you. But I still believe that no one is just born a leader. Right. Leadership is something that you get a master. Yes. You get a train. Yes. And you get to perfect the skill of leadership. And so that put me in a long journey that took me later on in church settings and YOM for me to learn more about leadership. Okay, I hear you saying a lot of things, a lot of key principles of leadership. The first thing I hear you say is that you've got to be trained. Go someplace, don't think you're going to be a leader overnight. But go be trained, humble yourself, learn from others. That's the first thing I heard you say. And then when you came back to Sweden, Stockholm, I believe you said, uh, you simply started somewhere. Yes. You just do something, you know. I mean, I remember for me, you know, my first Bible study I led, I remember there was like six people, five people <laughs> or something. I didn't know what I was doing. You start somewhere. I was so boring. You know, but you start somewhere. You do something. Absolutely. And reach out to whoever God brings you. And you pray and pray and pray and trust God for his presence to come because you need Jesus desperately. Absolutely. You know, and so and then so then it kind of builds from there. And that's what I see is happening in your life. So how did you end up in missions like in YWAM and a you lived quite a quite a few years in Cape Town, South Africa. Mm-hmm. So, is that the next thing that happened in your life? Yes. So talk to us about that. Because the group I started uh, ended up growing very rapidly and in, so, in Sweden. In Sweden, okay. So a lot of people were getting saved, and right. this was non-church people. Right. So a lot of leaders in Stockholm started to hear about what was going on. Yeah. And uh, we had a uh, a gentleman who was, uh, during that time, the national director of YWAM Sweden. Mm. And he uh, kind of uh, started to hear about what's going on. And, uh, you know, in the 60s, he was a, he was a hippie, and he got, sure. you know, uh, totally wrecked by God and yeah. saved. And so uh, he had this uh, heart of an evangelist, but he was also the director of YWAM Sweden. So right. uh, he came in because he kind of understood our kind of crowd. Right. Because we were... It was like, you know, David and his mighty men. Right. None, none of them were mighty from the beginning. You know, he had to raise up leaders. All kind of crazy, right? Yes. Uh, so we didn't really fit the model of what was known sure. in the churches in the area. But we had only little thing going on. And God was moving in a powerful way. And uh, he came and said, young man, I'm very impressed and excited about what God is doing. But you need more training. I was like. Yeah, I mean, we, we probably all need. Right. And he said, but I have an idea. I want you to do a DTS. I'm like, what's that? He was a discipleship training school. He said, I said, where should I go? He said, you should go to YWAM. I said, what's that? He said, that's you doing a mission. And I was like, like, where should I go? He said, why don't you pray about going to South Africa? Uh-huh. And so I basically uh, prayed, and God said, I'm doing a lot of great things, but I'm jealous about your time. Mm-hmm. I don't just want you to work yeah. for me. I want you to learn to work with me. And I think Beautiful. that's a great uh, principle. In that leadership. is good. That's very good. Say you know, that again. That God doesn't want us to work for him. Yes. But he wants us to work 
with him. Beautiful. And that was a lesson I learned uh, being zealous in my you know early 20s, uh, seeing the fruit of God. And I was mm. on the go of doing things. But Jesus said that before uh, you can do, you have to learn to be. Because God didn't create us human doings. He created us human beings. Right. And I think in leadership, we have this tendency because we really are insecure. Right. You know, we're not secure in our identity in Christ. And so we tend to be more Marthas uh, many times. Right. Rather understanding that, you know, there are times where we just got to be like Mary, mm-hmm. receive from him. If we don't, and the reason I'm saying this is because many leaders are they working themselves to the grave. Right. And if you don't learn to be with him in his presence, mm-hmm. like you're going to burn out. Beautiful. And so we don't want to burn out. We want to burn for the Lord. That's right. So I said yes. And in 2006, uh, I find myself in uh, Cape Town, South Africa on my DTS. And after that, you know, I met my wife, we married. And that's where leadership training for me, you know, after my marriage, right. you know, started. Okay. Because, you know, once again, leadership starts in your own home. Yes, it does. I had to go from a single mind. Uh-huh. It's just me and my right. suitcase to now I have a wife. Right. You know, and how can I steward her well? Uh, but then from that place, you know, uh, Larry, got to be honest with you that one thing I learned in my times in YWAM, in Musenberg, South Africa, when it comes to leadership is that, number one, once again, is the word of the Lord. Right. You know, God taught me about commitment. Mm-hmm. That was the, one of the early lessons because, like, it's easy as a leader to become uh, independent. Right. Of, and especially if you're wired in a certain way. And leadership is always like, so people want to be leaders, but they don't want to lead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I want to be a leader, but I don't want to work with people. Right. You know, and really leadership is with people. That's right. And I had to learn to be committed to a body mm-hmm. of believers. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that God really taught me in leadership, number one, of course, was intimacy. Number two was commitment. Number three was that before I can release you, Kevin, in your own vision, mm-hmm. you have to learn to serve another man's vision. So good. And so... You know, uh, for several years I served. I was not the main guy. Right. I was not even the second guy, or the third guy, or the fourth guy. Right. I would just a staff to start with on a base, <laughs> sweeping floors. Right. Uh, knowing that I'm called to stadiums and nations and preaching the gospel. Right. right. But yet in my heart, God said, "I want you to serve because the Son of Man did not come to mm. be served, but mm. to serve and to give His life as a ransom." So my start was more, you know, being committed because I didn't understand commitment. Right. I came from a background where I was not committed to nothing. Right. The second one was for me, you know, like I said, serving another man's vision. Yeah. So I did a lot of serving in the early days. Okay. So you're in YWAM learning all these principles on leadership. Talk to me about how you connected to the local church. How important is it for, you know, you're in a tenor ministry, you're traveling all over the world. Now today you're a pastor. Let's go before you were a pastor. Yes. So how important did you find it is to be connected to a local church, committed to a local church, and what does that look like? You know, being part of YWAM, we are uh, in an environment where you are around uh, the stuff, you right. know, of, of, of the work of the ministry all the time because we are, we are full-time missionaries, sure. you know. And so it's easy to say that Sunday is my rest day, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, God spoke to me. Uh, it was in 2008, and I think it was the month of October, when I was doing a leadership school in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. in the Netherlands. And he spoke to me and said, Kevin, there are certain uh, dimensions of blessing uh, that I can do in your life only 
if you connect it to a local church. Mm. I can bless you, son. Right. But I cannot bless you to the full extent I want to bless you if you're not connected to a local church. And I mean, not knowing that I'm going to pastor a local church, which was the farthest thing from my mind right, you know, exactly. back then. Sure. But God gave me this tremendous heart for the church, mm-hmm. for his body, and for his people. So all the years we were part of YWAM, you know, I was connected to a local church. Mm-hmm. I served in the local church, mm-hmm. and, uh, which gave me just tremendous uh, influence. It gave me a platform. Uh, but more than anything else, you know, it was part of my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. But it started, though, in the early days. It started by being faithful with the small things. Right. So how do you end up in nations? I mean, how did that happen? You know, do you remember back when you were invited to the First Nation to, to, to minister? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people I meet, a lot of young leaders, and they say, I'd like to go to the nations. But they feel like, well, it's not really happening for me. So talk to us about how that happened for you. And like I said, Larry, you know, I, uh, I knew I was called to the nations. Yeah. I knew I was called to preach. Yeah. But for me personally, uh, it was really about timing. Mm. You know, it's like... Um, you can you can be released before your time. You know, my wife just had a little child. I mean, right. Liam, he's our right. son. Yeah. And but he had to be in her womb for that extent of time. Because if a child is born before its time, like yeah. a vision, if it's born before its time, yeah, is born into an environment that it cannot handle. That's and really so for good. me, I had to stay under the yoke of God. Mm. And for like I said, the commitment, I had to go through the sermon test, which you go through all over over again. I had to go through the offense test. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go through the test of in leadership that, you know, I got to be faithful with the small things right. before God can entrust me with the bigger things. Yeah. And when my time uh, was done and during this whole time, it was very hard for me to stay in that place of submission because once again, I knew what God could do through me. Right. But what I did was that I was guided by the word of the Lord. And when I finished this season, of doing the very thing the Lord told me. I don't know how to explain it. Somebody gave me a five-minute, I remember that day, five-minute invitation to share my testimony in one church. And out of that testimony, 14 pastors invited me. Wow. And suddenly overnight, literally, I mean, I remember overnight, it just took off. Wow. So that's how I went in. I, I still believe with all of my heart is that I, to my best extent, I was not trying to promote myself through my own ways. And that's the real key to leadership, yes. <laughs> not being self-promoting. It's so easy to be self-promoting. And if, if God's hand is on us and there's something God wants to speak through us, He will open doors for us as we take the steps in faith He calls us to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I mean, much of your story is in, in your story about how you escaped with your mother. It was in a book written by your mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called He Read My Letter, and we talked about this on our last podcast. So, But you can check this out. Anybody, if you want to read the story, the amazing story, the God story, of how Kevin, his family, where his mom and two brothers along with him, escaped from uh, Iran and went through many nations and ended up in Sweden. Uh, it's called He Read My Letter by Sarah Kay. It's all in the show notes. Check it out in the show notes. And you've also written a book, co-wrote wrote a book here with a friend of mine and yours truly, Kevin Kazemi, Merle Shank, Larry Carter, called Encountering the Supernatural. Because mm-hmm. obviously you walk in the supernatural, believe in the supernatural, you give examples of a God has visited Jesus, visited you, um, and that's a real key to leadership also, obviously. Now, today, I mean, you're still an itinerant pre- preacher, all those things. Today, you live in Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. 
How did that happen? You're <laughs> here. You are in Cape Town, South Africa. You are, you know, ministering in the nations, and now you're a senior pastor of this thriving, growing church right in the midst of Canton, Ohio. How did that whole thing happen? And what have you learned about leadership from a pastoral perspective? I think the first thing that uh, I, we were called to the U.S. in 2008, God spoke to me and my wife when we get married about this nation. But once again, before the world Lord comes to pass. You know, it can take time. Yes. And so we, we waited for many years, and we believe still to this day that South Africa and YWAM was really part of our training. Yes. Because when I started my leadership, before I became a pastor, I, was, uh, I became uh, first a staff. Then I became a part of the core team of that ministry. And then from there, I became part of the eldership uh, of the whole base. So I grew in my leadership, and I learned a lot of lessons but God spoke to us in uh, 2014 mm-hmm. that it is time for us to transition now to the U.S. Uh, in the month of June 2015, we moved to the U.S. Yes. And uh, I really was not interested in, you know, becoming a pastor. I wanted to plant. I plant a lot of, you know, Bible studies sure. and, I mean, small groups. And I just yeah. I have it in me to plant stuff. Right. I love, you know, planting and starting new That's initiatives. That's part of the apostolic call in your life. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And so... But the word we got was that God said, I don't want you to just bless, I want you to build. And the only way we knew that was to build locally. Just gonna say that again, because that's so important because we're called to do both, but go ahead and say that again. So basically as I tenured, I went and did a lot of blessing. Yes. And God spoke to me and said, I don't just want you to bless. Yes. Not that I don't want you, I don't just right. want you to bless, I want you to build. And the only way we knew yeah. building was to build locally. And that's a really important concept because anyone listening today, you need to ask God about that. Are you called to bless? Are you called to build? Are you called to do both? Yes. And we each need to know from God what he's called us to do. Because if people are just in itinerant ministry, often they do a lot of blessing. Yes. And that's great, important, it's fantastic. But we're called to build. So in your case, it could be build a local church, build a network of churches. But you're called to build also, and you've been doing that. So what are you learning as you're building? You know, the first thing I learned is that, you know, by going from my turn to a pastor, any leader person, you know, that are called to any form of leadership, that you don't build based on a need. Right. Like what I mean by that is that, like example for me, like I didn't uh, decided to build because I needed a financial blessing in my life. I had right. to give up my finances, I tenure it yeah. to build. I didn't, uh, you know, build because I needed a platform. Right. I had to give up my platform right. in order, you know, to leave mm-hmm. preaching in big churches to go right. to preaching 40 people in a room to start with, you know. Right. But so it didn't come out of a, you know, a need in me. It came out of a desire to build the kingdom of God. Yeah. It was not a need. It was a desire to advance God's kingdom. And so uh, from that place, you know, I was very secure behind the pulpit in that sense with many challenges. But uh, what I'm really learning right now, three years into it, is that delegating as a leader yes. is the crucial, uh, I think, part of equipping the saints, yes. releasing people, and seeing tremendous growth. And so I've learned, I mean, I can, many lessons I've learned through the good, bad, and the ugly, <laughs> but I can tell you that I've learned that, you know, when I delegate a lot, I can really focus on the, the very thing that God have called me to and build people around you yeah. that has been major for me with my style of gifting. Because mm-hmm. I always say this to the church, if you hear me every Sunday, I will kill you. Because <laughs> it's true, I'm very, you know, uh, radical in the way I'm preaching right. and I want to talk about anointing and the Holy Spirit and, and that's more Bible school setting. Right. But I have a team around me that yes. can really, their strength becomes, 
my weaknesses becomes their strength or vice versa. Yes. You know, their strength becomes my weaknesses. Yes. And so having a strong team that doesn't look like you, yeah. you know, they don't sound like you. We have the same values right. and we have the same culture, but you know, we are very different in the way our giftings are wired. Right. And that has been a great blessing to me to recognize that I'm not the jack of all trades. Right. I need other people part yeah. of my life. And you and I both discussed this at length where we both realized that we don't want other people who are just like us. No. We want people who are different than us, people yes. who have a gracing and a calling that's different than ours. Because you'll need one Kevin or any one Larry or one whoever. It's really all of us together, the team, and valuing the team in the whole process. And uh, we both uh, we both also have talked about the reality that we often think, I thought when I was young, that everybody thinks like me. And I realized later, that's not the case no. at all. They really don't think <laughs> like me at all, you know. Great. So now you're into like third year, mm-hmm. and church is growing in, in Canton, Ohio, and obviously you're looking to get back on the road in the future. Your heart is the nation's, so you're going to do both. And mm-hmm. So anything else that you learned about leadership that you want to share with us and we want to talk a little bit about encountering the supernatural you know i think like uh being secure in your own identity and your identity in christ uh, i feel in leadership is super important and helpful for me yeah and so i think you know we even talked about it at the breakfast table this morning larry that you know sometime or most of the time you know uh, things happen in leadership when we are insecure in right. our leadership right and i think you know uh, something that I'm trying to reevaluate more and more is to, you know, how can I stay connected to him and yeah. secure my identity? And so my encouragement would be for anyone that's listening out in leadership, you know, uh, focus on who you are in Christ. Yep. And pleasing him is the, the most important thing before yeah. we please any other. One of the main things I love about you, Kevin, is your heart for to walk in the fear of the Lord. And, you know, really experience, you know, God minute by minute by minute you know, walking in his presence, et cetera, et cetera. And in the in the book, we wrote this book together, Encountering the Supernatural. You gave an example that was amazing about how you had a visitation from God and how that changed your life forever mm-hmm. and understanding the importance of walking in the presence of God. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about that revelation, that visitation. Yes. And, you know, it was a, in a season of desperation for me where I just locked myself in the room at prayer and fasting. And uh, it came not so much about something that somebody told me to do. It came out of a desire yeah. uh, for more of God in my life. Right. And uh, that uh, season of, uh, you know, the word says, draw near unto me and I will draw near unto right. you. Uh, seek for me with all of your heart and I will yes. be found by you. And so I, it was more like a little child crying out for his daddy. Yeah. And that led me into an encounter. But I learned that the fear of the Lord, yes, we can learn the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Yes, fear of the Lord is to keep your hands from evil. Yes, the beginning of wisdom, but the fear of the Lord is also part of His tangible presence. Yeah. And so when the presence of God came uh, as a visitation in my life, it was accompanied with the fear of the Lord. And I always believe, and that's why I'm, I'm a firm believer, that before you can have the reign of God, you need to have the fear of God. Yeah. And yeah. so because the fear of God is not to make us afraid of Him. Right. It actually is the fire of God that falls on somebody's life that purges away all the dross. Mm. And so it was like this, out of this visitation, this longing and desire for holiness was birthed inside of me. Mm. And, uh, you know, and holiness, you know, it's nothing that I'm earning on my own merit, but there is something that I believe in my heart and intimacy with the Lord that I want to walk in purity and holiness and the fear of the Lord. And so that's something that came out of the visitation that mm. uh, changed my perspective. And uh, so one thing I've learned about visitation, Larry, is that it doesn't come 
uh, always when we expect it the most. Mm-hmm. I believe in expectations. Sure. And it comes sure. many times when we need it the most. Right. And uh, for me that night, I just went, you know, me and my wife today, that we right. were married today. Right. We were not married, so we lived, and we slept in separate bedrooms right. at my mom and dad's. I was for a visit. Right. And uh, I went to my bed, and as I was, and it was in this season of visitation where the presence of God was visiting me, mm-hmm. and I was just having this amazing, glorious time in His presence. Whereas I'm lying in my bed, I wake up in the middle of the night, and uh, I'm feeling this unusual presence. And as I'm looking, I'm lying here on the right side of the bedroom, it's a small bedroom in, in uh, Dunsplow in the Netherlands, and the door is to my left. But in the center of the bedroom, uh, a person stood, you know, just out of nowhere. Just He just stood there in the middle of the room. And I looked at him, and it was so hard to look at him because... It was this tremendous sense of holiness that was proceeding mm. from his presence. But the amazing thing was that even when I tried to close my eyes, because there was so much holiness coming from him, mm-hmm. even with my eyes closed, I could still see him. Wow. He ended up walking to my bed. What I still remember to this day is that he put two fingers on my forehead, and he said, my peace I give unto you. Mm-hmm. And he imparted a supernatural peace. Today I understand that the peace of God that surpasses all yes. understanding is not something you can muster up. Right. It's a peace that comes from Him. It surpasses all mm. human knowledge and understanding. And I felt this tremendous peace. And, you know, He ended up dancing with one of His arms wow. kind of just over me. And in Zephaniah 3.17, it says how yeah. the Lord rejoices. The right. Lord rejoices that He spins with intense emotion right. over us. And... Uh, I ended up being able to hold his hand. Beautiful. And uh, that launched me into a whole revelation of kingdom of God within us. But that's sure. Oh, story. sure. <laughs> that is so good. Again, there's much more about that in the book, Encountering the Supernatural. Larry Kreider, Kevin Kazemi, Merle Shank. Get that on Amazon or the Devon International Bookstore or wherever you buy books. And also, uh, if you want to hear more about Kevin's story from his mother's perspective, uh, he read my letter, uh, Sarah Kay. Um, we have a few minutes yet before we close this, this episode. Uh, so now you've been in all these different settings of leadership, you know, from the early days to, you know, the YOM days, Bible school days, now the church, church days. You, you do something that I don't see very often. You are a local church person. You're a pastor of a local church. You're also an itinerant minister. Mm-hmm. You're a YWAMer, you know, itinerant minister. What are some things that you've learned by being in both of those fields of ministry that could be a blessing to anyone listening today? So anything that you've learned, do you think, here's something I think could help those who are just younger coming into mm-hmm. areas of ministry in the way that you're fulfilling today? I mean, what would a, you say? As a pastor, I've learned, you know, the the tremendous importance, I mean, to serve and be connected to a local church, even okay. as itinerant. Okay. Okay. And so I believe that, you know, any itinerant that God is raising up, be connected, be under accountability, belong to a body. And, and I think there's a lifeline that you will get that will be a blessing to you and a, and a safety mm-hmm. that can really uh, be help for you in the nations. And then as a, uh, you know, uh, itinerant, uh, I've also, you know, like learned that when I uh, walk into a church, I have so much grace for pastors. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I I've have, told you before, I wish every itinerant ministry minister could be a pastor for a season. <laughs> it's, been, it's been like, I mean, now when I go into a local church, my view is totally different. Yeah. I'm, I'm always high honor. 
Sure. You know, it's just part of my Iranian culture. Right, and so, right. you know, if they tell me don't do this, I'm being very good at the protocol of the church. Right. But I have a whole nother understanding. Because, you know, as an evangelist or as a tenured minister, you like, you know, like you just, like you said in your younger <laughs> days, you think in a very single way. Everybody right. needs to think like this. That's right. But I think being as a pastor, I have just, uh, I'm also learning more love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning more compassion for the sheep. Sure. You know, so it's not just about, you know, pulling somebody from the wheelchair, but it's also about carrying that person that is actually sitting in the wheelchair. Right, and I exactly. I think like just by attending the pastor, I'm learning both those that uh, can be important for any young person that's coming up. It's not about numbers. Right. And it's not about all the success, but it's really about keep building the kingdom. So Beautiful. One more question for you. As all of us, we look back, we made mistakes. We've all made many mistakes in, in leadership. You look back in your life thus far, you've got many years to go. Mm-hmm. You're still a young man in many ways. Uh, what are some mistakes you look back and think, I want to share this because if somebody younger hears this, it might keep them from making the same mistake. What are some mistakes you've made as you look back in the realm of leadership? I mean, I've, I've done many of them, but the one that is coming to my, <laughs> to my, to my mind is, uh, is insecurities uh-huh. and the way I respond to circumstance and respond to people, and respond to situations. And I think one thing that I will encourage anyone that is listening and you young in leadership, that uh, don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. And so in other words, I reevaluate every situation, That's every conversation. Like example, like if someone is saying something to you and you're part of something, don't just pack up your bag and leave. Right. You know, like go back, let the dust settle, reevaluate. And that's how you deal with people in situations. Mm -hmm. And so I have really uh, learned to not respond based on my insecurities, but rather respond on the perspective of the Holy Spirit. And so that's a, that's a big one. It's a small one, but it's yet big one that's in huge. daily life. No, it's huge. Know. It's huge. Uh, but that's a major one for me, how I react to circumstance and people. Beautiful. Kevin Kazemi, thank you for joining me today. This has been so good. Thank you. So, Larry. so good. Again, check the show notes out. Uh, if you want to know more about Kevin, uh, identitychurch.org in Canton, Ohio. And uh, you can get your messages and a lot get connected with him. Also, Encounter the Books, Encountering the Supernatural, Kevin Kazemi, Merle Shank, Larry Kreider. And the story of Kevin, his brothers and his mother, written through his mother's eyes. He read my letter by Sarah K. All this on Amazon or wherever you buy books. So again, it's so good to have you with us today. Again, we learn these small things that we can change and make a major difference in our lives and the lives of those we serve in the future. So glad you joined me today for the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. So glad Kevin could be with me. Thank you, Kevin, again. Thank you so much, Larry. And look forward to having you back on here again in the future. It will be an honor. God bless you, everyone, and we'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.